Welcome to today's NCMI podcast. What's it like to plant a church in another culture? Eddie and Tia Bucker, who serve on the NCMI translocal team, have a fantastic testimony that speaks into this question. You're sure to enjoy their story, which they shared at a Church Planters and Lead Elders training week in South Africa. We want to share something about planting in a different culture. And before I start, I'd love to just say a word of prayer. All right? Father, just as I stand here, I just realize that I need you. And I, I want to ask you, Lord, to really give words that I want to say more or less than what you want to be said. Because I, I want to trust you, Lord, that we'll find things or things that, that, that will change our lives to enable us to reach people that are totally different to ourselves. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Planting in a different culture. Is there a key or keys? You know, Jesus said to Peter and to the, after Peter realized who Jesus was, Jesus said to him, to, to, to say, uh, that on this uh, rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's a good scripture to keep in mind in these times we are living in. You know? But he also said, he said, I, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What you bind in heaven shall be bound on earth. Now, I don't want to go into the specifics of that because you can have wonderful teachings of what's good, what's not. But just to understand that what we, we can do something in the spiritual world which will have an impact on the, on the earth. And the things we do on earth obviously has an, have an impact in the spiritual world. So I believe that if we allow God to use us, he will give us keys for every, for every uh, uh, um, situation. I read a book uh, uh, that someone wrote about to disciple the nations. And that was such an interesting perspective. You know, if you read the Bible, you uh, often see that God speaks to Israel or to uh, some of the other nations, Tyre, or to, to cities as if they are persons. Have you noticed that? But that means that nation or that city or that purpose has got some sort of DNA, has got some sort of, uh, uh, some sort of uh, uh, um, attitude, some sort of, sort of characteristics and so forth. And we have really discovered that in Europe as well. Going, and coming from South Africa, I was raised in a, in a Dutch home. My parents immigrated both. They actually met each other in South Africa. And we were, I was born in South Africa, gone to Afrikaans school, Afrikaans friends, uh, uh, studied at an Afrikaans university, uh, became a chartered accountant. I wanted to be rich, you know. But then uh, God has sorted that out by when he called me, I was just qualified. I mean, I was 23 when I, when I passed the board exam and I just finished my articles and I was going to make big bucks and then I heard this message about Jesus and him crucified and I saw that that Eddie who wanted to be rich had died on the cross. And I realized if I continued to live like that, I didn't believe what I just saw on that cross. And then so I went to a mission school. I didn't know anything about church plan or anything. And God, the way he sorted me out is that for the next 13 years, I didn't get a salary. You know, so when we planted our church, we actually planted with two full-time elders with no salary. That, I don't say you must do it that way, you know. <laughs> I'm not saying that at all. 
But, and that's, I'm not saying that's the key. <laughs> it might be <laughs> if you want to go to other nations. <laughs> but l- listen, to this. it's God's heart for us to go to other nations and other cultures. Because he says, he says go make disciples of all nations, of all tongues, all the speed. Go to them. So he wants us to cross our, beyond our borders. But it's also true that God has a plan for every one of us. It says so beautifully in, in uh, um, uh, Acts 17, he says, verse 26, and he's made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and boundaries of their habitation, that they would see God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he's not very far from each one of us. We've heard lots of preachings on this. I think the first time I heard someone preach this when I heard Dudley, uh, some preach many, many moons back. But it's actually amazing that God said, I'm gonna set you in a place and there's a time that I wanna use you. There's a, there's a, so don't even, there's boundaries to what I wanna use you for. And there are some people, like Tony just wonderfully said, he says, it's not his type of people. You know, I found, like, like I found to do weddings, and I, I actually to do that, that formal stuff, man, I, I, I get all mixed up. And I, you know, but I don't mind sitting next to the bed of someone who's dying. So different, you know? I don't mind that. And, 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 and we, uh, but it's just wonderful to find that because in the scripture it says, it says God has arranged it like that, that people may find him. God wants all cultures and all nations and all to, to find him. And God doesn't say, well, for some nations, you know, like you go to someone who says, I'm in this place, but it's tough, man. Yeah, with us, I mean, the devil has got his own home right next to me. You know, it's the toughest place on earth. You know, we planted the church, that's really so, from, from, from our mission school days into East Germany, Northern East Germany, and statistically, it's the most atheistic place in the world. Only 12% of the people there say they, they think there might be a God or something like that. You know? So talk about tough places then. But when I went, when, I, when God called me to go to Holland, he said, the, the scripture I shared yesterday, I think God said, Genesis 31 verse 3, the Lord said to Jacob, stand up, go to the land of your fathers and to your relatives and I'll be with you. But the people here, there were people from mission organizations saying to me, Holland, the people don't want to hear about God. Don't want to hear anything about it, you know. And I was obviously a bit younger than today. I was all fired up. I've grown mellow now, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm not <laughs> but, but, but I was, was going to tell these people, you know. And you know what happened? This, I mean, this really happened. This, I didn't expect it to happen, but as we were on that plane, going to Holland, I felt the Lord speaking to me. And you know what he said? I felt the Lord said to me, I'm sending you to a people that are poor. Now they're not poor financially, not at all, but poor in the word. He said, but they have a zeal for God without knowledge and I do not want you to be cross with them. I was shocked. I didn't even know that I would come across like that. I mean, I didn't really know what he meant by that at that stage. It just was so vivid. It came to me so vivid. And I realized something was going to have to change in my going about with the people when I get to a different culture. 
You know, South Africans, they like to say, oh, it's definitely like this. The Dutch say, well, according to me, I think it might be like this. Now, some, even a Christian would say, well, according to me, the Bible is God's word. So they give you the opportunity to say, well, I don't think so. A South African says, that's God's word. What you're talking about? You know? <laughs> and so it just comes across a little bit different. You know, so God was saying to me, I'm sending you in different cultures to win souls, not to win arguments. You, we, that you have to realize and also for me, coming from South Africa, you had to be aware of all the other nations and all the other cultures. You know, I, I, I was, we, God led us to, to start a mission school. I didn't have the model of the church planting at that stage. Doors were opening. I was preaching all over the place. And people were saying, please come. We want to learn more. And we said, Lord, what do we, what do, we do? So we felt we're going to rent a plot. And that's we felt in God to do it, you know. And we had no money. We, we had to live. I mean, in that first 10 years, I received support from South Africa in total 450 rand. When I asked my friends, I asked them years, why didn't you guys ever support me? Because they believe in what I did. They said, well, we, we just thought God looks after you. <laughs> you know? But anyway. And, and I was traveling 1,000 kilometers through Europe. I had to drop someone in France. On one day and the next day or the day after, I came back again a thousand kilometers and I traveled through five countries. And I was wrestling with this question, Lord, where do you want this plot and the thing to be? And son, and Lord dropped into my heart because I suddenly thought I was in Holland eh, and I was ministering. And I felt Lord dropping because uh, I was thinking of all these countries in South Africa, you don't often think of many countries because you can travel 2,000 kilometers and stay in the same country. I thought, well, maybe it must be in another country. And as I was going in my heart, I thought Germany. And I thought, well, if it's Germany, it's got to be close to the border. And God dropped faith in my heart. The problem was I couldn't speak a word of German. My, my, my Dutch was still, and, you know. And so, so language is also a thing, obviously, when you want to reach cultures. And all cultures don't go about in the same way with, with, with language. In German, they like you to speak proper German. And that for me was a, was a bit of a problem, you know, because I was, I was, even years later, I got married to a Dutch wife. I, my closest co-workers were guys, Afrikaners from South Africa, I spoke Afrikaans with. I do my Bible study in English, you know, and, and then we were running a mission work and later plant a church in Germany. I was der you know, and the Germans were going different about it than the Dutch. The Germans actually find, no, you must learn to speak proper. The Dutch were loving it when you were making mistakes. They did. I mean, a guy actually got saved when I said a swear word in my preach. <laughs> that in Afrikaans is normal, but in German, all the people got red in front of me. I didn't know why. You know, but the Dutch loved it. <laughs> so, but I recommend that you, you learn the languages, you know. But we need to understand, for us as South Africans, you know, we go get us, you want to, but culture is not universal. We don't have the heavenly culture, you know, and we've got to learn that. Okay, Thea, can you, will you come? Yesterday also we ministered, to, and, and as I said, I married a Dutch wife, and in, in Holland, for instance, my wife, my wife learned four languages. Yeah? Thea, can you, can you come? at school, four languages, so when I met her, she could speak Dutch, German, English, and France. And I now taught her Afrikaans, which was also very important. 
But then she came into this situation. Okay. Yes, and I, I just want to share a little, little bit of, of, of our journey. But first, um, first, I, I, when Eddie was standing here and he said, I didn't have a salary for the first 13 years. I know that it's a sensitive object and I know people say you're crazy. But I was just stirred because um, we've lived in faith for 13 years and we've lived being paid by the church. So we've lived in both um, systems. And Paul also says he's, he's, he'd made tents by, and by times and he, he um, lived in faith and was paid by the churches, but it was not a set salary. And for 13 years, we, we did not have a, a set salary. Eddie came with a suitcase. And I just, I just thought, I just want to you know, be open to possibilities. We sometimes really think we need to have a set salary to be able to do God's work. But the thing is, in those 13 years, we've experienced things that we didn't experience after that when we came into a financial system. Because then you have to take care or you have to manage your money. But in these 13 years, you were dependent upon God for anything, everything. And he blessed us sometimes with, like I remember the one time we, um, you know, with tickets to South Africa for the whole family. I remember Rory putting up, us up in Belito for a holiday in a mansion on, the, on a beach in Belito with, with a, you know, the, the own, you know, no one in, in my family who all uh, earn well will have a holiday like that. But here we were, the poor buckers, you know, having holidays. And, and it happened several times. You know, when the Israelites went through the desert, God provided with them for manna. But when they came into the promised land, God said, so now you have to cultivate the land. And now they had to do it themselves. Just to be open. I know in New Covenant, always say, Eddie's crazy. He went with a suitcase too. But just be open because I really believe if God calls you, he will provide for you. So don't, yeah, that's totally off topic. But I just felt, I just felt to say that. Okay, so our journey. What I think I just want to say is that it takes time to understand the differences if you come in a different culture. Eddie came from South Africa, so he, he, for him it was different in Holland and then in Germany when we planted a church. I came from Holland, and you might think I lived in Koevoorden, and we are now in Germany, in Noordhorn, and it's only 30 kilometers. For you, that's nothing. 30 kilometers is nothing, but it's a world of difference if it's another country. So I come from Holland, a culture where you love for everyone to be different. They are extremely friendly and helpful. They love to care for the weak. They love to give everyone the uh, same opportunities. Um, they, there's a curiousness for other cultures. You know, the Dutch in the, in the 1700s, they sailed the world. And they, uh, yeah, they were everywhere, pioneers. Very much a multicultural society. They love a good atmosphere. They love to laugh about themselves, to laugh about their mistakes. They don't mind. Into Germany, a very, very, very different culture. I must say, the Germans take themselves very, very serious. There's not a lot of humor going on there. They're not the friendliest people on the earth. They are not. And the Germans love their own kind. It's a fact. They do. And as an outsider, they are, you know, they are suspicious and, and, and to outsiders and for, foreigners. They love to be highly efficient, sehr gründlich, high achievers and performers. 
And um, they love it. You, you really count when you're successful and have something to show. Totally different from the Dutch. Um, the Dutch like to focus on the people. You know, everyone's needs must be met. The school system in Holland, if you have a child with ADHD or some, that we've got a lot, lot of syndromes these days. Eh? Kids have lots of syndromes. Then you, you, they call it a backpack. It's not a real backpack, but it's a financial backpack. So in school, and, and, and whatever syndromes you have, there's fundings for that, and there are extra teachers in school, and you are being um, helped, and you get extra hours with someone that helps you. Um, yeah, the Germans like to focus on their systems, their projects, the work that needs to be done. If you don't fit the system, you fall off the wagon. We had a child with ADHD, our youngest, Iron, extremely intelligent boy, but he had a hard time sitting for seven, eight hours at a school desk. They wanted to put him in a special school for children with special needs. You know, if you don't fit the system, you fall off. They're almost not so interested in you. So it's, yeah, it is really a thing to go into a different culture. Don't underestimate that. You can sometimes feel alone. You feel between homes. You feel sometimes displaced. But what I've noticed is um, if you keep longing for what you had, we say geselligheid, the Dutch are so gezellig, and the Germans are a bit colder. I don't want to be negative about the Germans because I'll get to that. You know, but you, you can feel like this, but I've noticed the longer you keep on, oh, I miss that, what we had in Holland, I missed the Dutch people, I miss laughing, I miss the humor. The longer you keep on to that, the longer it takes for you to arrive where God wants you to be. And you need to arrive to be able to help these people and to, yeah, to, to do what, what God wants you to do. And then you start to discover the strengths in their culture you've arrived in and with that the weaknesses in the culture you came from for example you you um, see that the Germans are extremely loyal they are a very loyal people they check you out but if they believe in what you're doing they're with you all the way no one can just come and say oh but Eddie has said this or Eddie has said that no 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 they don't they won't take it doesn't take they're very loyal and they love to follow a leader I mean, that is a wonderful thing, really. People love to follow a leader. Whereas the Dutch are very opinionated and really everyone is a leader, which makes it really difficult to lead the Dutch. So you see, you know, my, my sister and her husband, they lead a church in Holland and we lead a church in Germany. We're only 30 kilometers apart, but the the fights they had to fight and to had to go through, the, the, the people leaving or groups of people leaving the church because everybody knows better than, than, uh, than you, we've never experienced that. Huh, Eddie, we've never, never experienced that. So we were at times really grateful that God <laughs> led us to plant in, in uh, Germany. But what you need to understand is it's a process of grief and rebirth. It really is. And, and you can't um, speed up the process. It's, it, you just have to go through that. You need to learn to let go of what you cherish, what you don't longer have, loosen yourself from it, and get grounded 
for me, that was the first step in the kingdom culture because that's where the both meet. Because home is where people are that love the Lord. You know, wherever you go in a country, Rene said it, he, uh, he preached in a, a site Sunday, Rosebank, he preached there. But he said the moment he arrived there and he heard the worship, he felt at home. And I, I have really had the same experiences. You know, we were in Paris. Just you hear, you, you start walking up to the building, you hear the worship, you feel at home. Because in the end, we are citizens of heaven. And we really have to learn that, to loosen ourselves from our court, uh, culture. Time takes time to accept, appreciate, even more time to love the culture God brings you in. The best example is soccer. Anyway, we would always be for the Dutch because we love how they play. And it took 20 years to say, okay, if the Germans win, we will follow them. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, but it is a, it's a thing of the heart. But if you master that journey, you will be able to bring a different perspective. Take the best of both worlds, and in the end, what you cultivate is the kingdom culture anyway. But it is like becoming a Greek to the Greek or a Jew to the Jew. It is a bit. Um, we all have to loosen ourselves from our cultures, all of us, to embrace the kingdom culture. For our citizenship is in heaven that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. That's the thing. Yes, thank you, Thea. I just want to say amen to that. <laughs> no, but to God has really taught us. I, I'm, we, we are so happy. We've got such a wonderful church at the moment with a mixture of cult, uh, cultures as well. Uh, you, you have them here, many nations, uh, but also of Germans, of Dutch, of, and, and you try, what has God put in all these things and let it become that which he wants, you know? Uh, but, but it helped us to understand the culture and not to judge it. We it shouldn't sound as if we're judging that. You know, because you do find things, that, oh, that's not helpful. I always say the, 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 um, uh, uh, the Dutch culture is more uh, female-orientated, which means they love coziness, they love uh, colors, they love small intimacy, you know, they love creativeness, you, uh, you know, but can very quickly change their opinion, you know? And the Germans are more we're thorough. You know, the Dutch are first friendly, and then let's see how we can do it right. The Germans say, no, we first do this right, and then we're friendly. <laughs> you know? And, and, and I've just chosen, we just chose to love them all because God loves them all. In order that they may find him, and he's not far from them. Not from the Dutch, not from the Germans, not from the French. You know, but, but when we want to do church planting, we've now had the privilege of planting in Germany, helping another uh, plant and uh, planting in Holland as well. And we've made mistakes in doing this. We are, as, as we are doing this, we are learning. But what I've learned is, uh, um, you, know, you know, also there's different cultures, obviously between different types of churches, traditional churches and, and then the more free churches. Like, exactly like Tony said, even in the worship experience, it's different cultures, you, you know? And, and um, God has opened, when God said to me, I'm going to open you to these people, God has opened for me doors into many, many traditional churches. Now the Dutch, because of their culture, they have more than 25 different reformed churches, there's no country in the world that has that, you know? 
But, but God has kept open doors for that. And the amazing thing, when I, I mean, I'm not say, saying even this as a reproach, but it was a, a lack of understanding in our ranks. Because when I first got to know New Covenant, the team, some guys on the team said to me, when, and I was going through these doors that God gave, why are you wasting your time going to a traditional church? You know, and, and I was shocked because I didn't know what to do. How do I go about that with brethren, with Christians in other flows, in other denominations? Now, I wasn't trying to build that thing, but I saw what Paul did. Paul always went to the synagogue, not to help build the synagogue or the old religious system, but to make sure that people go out the right door into the kingdom culture, not into the world. You know, I mean, we really, we've had, I've had a place where, 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 where in a traditional church that, that, that uh, the, the church council voted by five against four that I could come and do our studies. The, the chairman was on holiday and he was against, then there would have been five to five and I wouldn't have come in. And we sat there with 30 people sitting in, in a circle like that and I did 20 studies. And at the end, some of them wanted to get baptized. And I got a guy from a, another free church locally by, because want, he wanted to hear these people, were they really saved? And as they were giving their twist, uh, testimonies, 20 of the 30 wanted to get baptized. And this guy was shocked. He said to me next week, how did you get in here? How did you get in here? You know? I said, they closed the front door, but the back door was open. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then, then these people went into all directions, and that's where our thing came. We said, we need, and, and uh, praise God, we met New Covenant to help us how the people can get into good wineskins. You know, but Paul, even at the end of his ministry, he was still saying in Acts 28, now imagine this, eh? In uh, in 28. Is a, oh, there, there it is. Acts 28 verse 17, he says, After three days, Paul called together those who were the leading men of the Jews. He was still reaching out to them. He says, And when they came together, he began saying to them, Brethren, though I'd done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. And then these guys said, No, we haven't heard about you. And God still kept that moment of opportunity open to preach that gospel why could he do that why because his key was which we all also know first corinthians 9 verse 19 for though i am free from all men i have made myself a slave to all so that i might win more i won win men not arguments yeah to the jews i became a jew so that I might win the Jews to those that are under the law as though I'm under the law, though myself not being under the law. So I didn't go around about just, you guys are religious. And, oh, well, I respect that. Okay, okay. Smile and wink, smile, you know. <laughs> and, then, Lord, and then preach the truth so that I might win those who are under the law. Those who are without law, those free ones, those wild ones, you know, I I came as if I was without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ. This is an amazing thing, which I hope you will see this morning. You know, so that I might win those who are under the law, without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that by by, uh, that, uh, that I may by all means save some. 
Man, what a heart, hey? When it's not about yourself. It's not about proving your pet doctrines. It's not about, you know, having a pat in back for your giftedness or whatever. Although God uses those things. But to wins him. So I do all things for the sake of the gospel that I might become a fellow partaker of it. Okay, but he says, though not without law myself. What was this law? Because I believe this is one of the, one of the central keys we need. Whatever cultures we go into. What was that? And I want to just look at it in the life of someone who got put into a total different country, a total different culture, who believed God was going to use him, then it went totally wrong, and he suddenly found him in a total, total, total different culture against his choice, and who God used to change history. Now, I'm talking about someone you know, Joseph. <laughs> I am praying still, Marcus, and I'm trusting. <laughs> you, you, you all know this, Mo, um, Joseph, eh? He had these dreams for himself. You guys are going to bend down to me, you know, and, got, uh, and hated, hated in, his, in his family. And, and well, the whole, uh, he, was dream, he was 17 years old, got sold, let's say 18 to Potiphar, worked as a slave in a foreign country, couldn't go anywhere. Then, after a few years, maybe six years, seven years, I don't know, got accused of falsely, uh, that Potiphar's wife, you know that, got chucked into jail. That would also have been about three, four years. Then he, then he, but he kept on being faithful. That's also one thing. Whatever situation, be faithful. Stay close to the Lord. Spend your time with him. I, I, I think um, Tony wonderfully said, you know, make sure you get equipped. Let God further do in you what he wants to do. He knows what he's preparing you for. He knows that. You know, and I want to be prepared. I want to spend time letting him, let him, you know, and, and there's a good reason for it as well. But and all, everywhere it says about Joseph, and the Lord was with him. So with, even in the great commandment, when God says, go to other cultures, go to other nations, what does he say? Go make disciples of all nations, teaching them all things, baptizing them and so forth, and I'll be with you. Even during corona, even during what happened in the world, I am with you. I am with you, you know? And the Lord was with Joseph. And then suddenly, not, after 13 years, he suddenly stands in front of Pharaoh, of the Pharaoh, and he he says, there's a God in heaven who knows dreams, and he declares his dreams to him. And then we all know something wonderfully happened. But listen to what the Pharaoh said to him. Because he said to Pharaoh, he, he, he advised him what, what, the, what, they, what they should do. Uh, um, now, uh, uh, he advised him, and that's in Genesis 41 verse 36. As part of what he said to him, he said, you guys must in the fat here save the food. And you'll be able to have the famine, give it out. And uh, in verse 36, he says, Let the food become as a reserve for the land for seven years of famine, which will occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land will not perish during the, fa uh, the famine. First of all, this. I mean, he was in jail. Might have been three to four years. He, was, he worked as a slave. He was not allowed to go to his own family. He was mistreated. And suddenly God shows him what's going to happen to this country. He said, I don't want this country to go lost. I don't want Egypt to die in famine. There was no bitterness against Egypt or, or Potiphar or whatever. 
I mean, this is amazing. He had a heart for Egypt. He said, he said, Pharaoh, he didn't say, well, if you appoint me, then I'll tell you what to do. Nothing. He immediately told, they could have gotten someone else. Thank you for your advice. God bless you. Please give this guy some more freedom in that jail. He said that Egypt will not perish. And then the Pharaoh, you know, you, you know now, now if, you think, if you think all that happened to him, and but God, his gifting was making room for him. And, and, and Proverbs 18 verse 15 says, the mind of the prudent acquires knowledge. That's, I think Tony challenges us, keep on uh, equipping yourself. And the ear of the wise seek knowledge. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. If you allow God, if you keep on equipping, let yourself be equipped, let, and God will use you in the gifting he's given you and make room for you in that gifting. And, and, and now I, I want to look at the answer of Pharaoh to, to Joseph. Pharaoh said to, to, in verse 38, Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom there's a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has informed you of all this, there's no one so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house and according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. I mean, it's just, it's, 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 it's amazing. Imagine the authority he suddenly got over all Egypt, the freedom, the responsibility. Wow. I mean, it's like from nothing in jail just to, and suddenly putz. But And I think we don't realize if you obey the command of God to go places, to go where he has called you, we often don't realize the opportunities, the freedom God gives us. I think long ago it was someone on the team who preached, you know, we, we, uh, 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 where we thought, well, you know, what must God do and what must I do? You know, because we think, I'm only going to follow God. You know, I'm, not, I'm only going to be led by the Spirit. We don't realize the freedom, the responsibility, the authority God gives us, the decisions we must make. You know, this guy's standing in front of his, his cupboard. Lord, what clothes must I wear today? And God says, listen, I'm your father, not your mother. You know, there's got to be some soberness in that. But also, on the other hand, listen to these words. It's, it's for me such a picture of what God says. I, I give you, we reign with Christ on the, in the, on the right hand of, of God the Father in this authority. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go for. I give you authority to stand. All, the, all this thing God says to you and me. But only in the throne will I be greater than you. You and I will always remain creatures and God is the creator. He is the almighty, you know, and all life comes from him. But, but imagine this, now how do I live in a, foreign, in a foreign culture? This, I believe, is such a key. If I can realize, okay, I get responsibility, I get freedom, I get authority. But in throne, God is greater than I. So you and I better listen to what he's saying on the throne of our hearts. We better listen to him because he understands the current culture. He loves those people. He knows the way to their hearts. 
and I don't. And you're not going to find it with your set of rules, with all your methods, with all, the, all that has worked past. That's why copying the church you come from or even other people is such a bad thing. It does not acknowledge the life of God. It does not acknowledge organic. You know, if you try to raise two children the same, you're going to damage one of them. We had three children. The first one, when he did something, I had to really get used to. He was here, he did a life team here, Matanya, you know. When you had to talk to him, you had to really sit down and like wait about 10 minutes or whatever, and then you could really seriously talk to him. And I, I'm, I'm okay, I, I needed some patience sometimes. Then my daughter, Kim, who's here, I think in all her life, I only looked at her cross like twice, and once said, don't do that. that and that was all that was needed. The third one, I had to call in the army and the police to get things in, you know. I mean, this is, but they're all different. But churches are different because church is an organic thing. So, so God wants to use you and me and he gives us freedom. Now, now, what does it mean? It means that the Holy Spirit is in you and, and when God is enthroned higher than I am, it says in 1 John 2, 27, he says, as for you, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you have no need for anyone to teach you. As his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and not a lie and just as it taught you, abide in him. Now that doesn't mean we don't need teachers, doesn't mean we don't need, that's not what this says. It says that you are responsible for what you believe is right. You can't go back and say, yeah, my pastor there said I must do it. And, oh, and it doesn't work, now it's his responsibility. You can't, you must, the Holy Spirit will show you what is right and what is wrong. Even if you don't understand, if you feel, I don't know why, but I feel this is, it's not just not it. It's just not the time yet. Or you must, we must listen. Because the spirit giveth life, the letter kills. It's the moment we try to do things according to principles, according to methods, according to, to things that worked somewhere else, where things go wrong. We're only in throne will I be greater than you. I believe God will always show us when something is wrong. 1 John 3 says, beloved, when your heart condemns you, the word condemn is katachinosko in Greek. It means, it means something, there's a knowledge against what you are doing. When your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart and has knowledge of all things. Because he has knowledge, who put that knowledge against what you're doing in your heart? He did. He's saying, watch out. When David cut off Saul's thing, do, 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 he didn't maybe immediately understand why. Do you understand? But then it says, but if your heart does not condemn you, you have peace before God because you're doing what is right in his sight. So because we, are, we have freedom, a responsibility, authority, we are growing up into that. And God doesn't always want to say, Lord, is this what I'm doing right? Okay, pet, okay, I'll give you your pet. Come for your pet, come for your afternoon pet. No, you live and trust, he will show you, because he's greater than you in the throne, in the ruling of life. Okay. 
You know, in, in, in the Bible, I just see, you see even the, the way they did apostolic work. Jerusalem, hey, they, they were waiting there and God had to send persecution and all the groups went out. It's like home groups everywhere and churches. And then the apostolic, apostolic team visited them. At Antioch, they said, let's be more proactive. Praying, fasting, apostles were sent out and through their fruit of their preaching, groups were formed. But they didn't drop or throw away the, the Jerusalem method. How do I know that? Because it says just before they go on the second uh, uh, missionary trip, it says Paul, who took Silas then with, traveled through Syria and Cilicia. Cilicia was the area of the, of the first missionary journey, but Syria is the area around Antioch, which means they've been planting. That church has been going on also with groups and planting churches. And then they got to Antioch, and in Antioch they had a school where they trained guys. And, and I actually learned from that that the better the local church works with the apostolic, the more effective we can be in these things. And why is that? Why is that? And that's, that's what I want to give you the last key from, uh, from, from the other perspective. From someone in a total different culture, seeing things happen Guys receiving God, getting healed, getting saved, but not in that culture and yet wanting that. And how do I get that in my culture? And that was this, the, 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 the um, um, centurion. You know the centurion who came to Jesus? And he said to Jesus, he said when, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, beseeching him, saying, Lord, my service lies paralytic in the house, suffering grievously. And Jesus says to him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered. Now, now just listen to that and think of how he respects the culture that he's, Jesus is in, the Jews, not going into Gentiles' homes and all this. He says, he says Lord, I am not fit that thou should enter under, under my roof. So he realized as a Jew and in his culture, he couldn't just enter into my roof. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing how he realized there's a difference? But that didn't stop him from finding and getting into that kingdom culture. Getting that which, which, which God wants. So he says to Jesus, just speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I too am under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say to the one, go and he goes. To another, come and he comes. To my bondman, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he wondered, and he said to those who followed, verily I say to you, not in the whole of Israel have I found such a faith. This, for me, this is one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible. This guy, what did this guy see? You know, this, what was his heart? Let's look at this guy. First of all, there was a difference in culture and in stature between him and his servant or one of his soldiers. He could care less. He could send a fruit basket. I do care, y'all, get better soon, rest out, make sure you're back on the job on Monday. But he didn't. He could have said, send a message, WhatsApp, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. No, nothing wrong with that. He didn't do that. He himself, he, he made a lot of effort. He said, I'm going to barge, I'm going to touch another culture. I'm going to, because I see there's truth, yeah. There's a, and they've got something, they've... Uh, He's seen, he understood how the spiritual world works. 
He understood what Tony just what beautifully said. If you're under authority, you've got authority. Or was it? No, it was uh, uh, Brad. Eh? Brad also shared that this morning. If you're under authority, then you've got authority. You guys, only in throne will I be greater than you. Is, or is your life subject to the, to the authority and the rulership of Jesus? Or am I full of ideas and plans and theology and I don't care, whatever. And then you'll try to impose that on other cultures. And get hurt. And hurt other people. In the letter killeth. And I know we all make mistakes. I don't want this to sound, but, I, but, but it's such a question for my own heart. Eddie, where do you want to try and push your print and your opinion on someone else? When God says, now it's time to just keep your mouth shut. Let me do it. You know, this man, he said, I too am a man under authority. I, I, Jesus, I understand. I understand. This spiritual principle, and like Tony said, this works in the business world, this works everywhere. It's, it's a spiritual principle of God. Works with parenting. When I'm under authority, I've got authority. And he says, I know how to exercise it. I said to the one slave, go, and he goes. Come, and he comes. But you see, it all started. Jesus, my, my soldier, he's, he's a suffering man. He cares for people. We will not touch other cultures unless we're compassionate about men and women dying and going to hell. We're in the wrong business. It's all about just letting them know. I believe, I believe if a person, one person knows that at least there's one other human being that loves me, he can believe that God loves him. I mean, what a chance to Egypt when Joseph was there and saying, do this Pharaoh, that Egypt will not perish and, and, and die in the famine. Will you and I be like that? Will you and I be to other nations, to other people, people that are from different cultures and, and to just say, I don't care who or what they are. I, I, I'm gonna try and understand their, their way of thinking. But my goal is in order that I may win some for Jesus. Though I be counted as rubbish, Paul says, my life be poured out. I don't care, I rejoice when Christ is glorified. And that's what I long for. Shall we just pray for a moment? Father, you hear us. And Father, what, how, how incredible it is to realize the nations, the cultures of this world have their source often in you. Often the devil has come through and mixed it up and damaged and but the different, the, uh, the different flavors, the different uh, uh, atmospheres that, and, and, and types of people, Lord, were created by you. It's just a small part of how great you are. And you've always wanted that men and women will be saved. And I pray that you will help us to teach people to listen to your spirit to be led by your spirit and that that would lead to many people, many cultures, many nations finding life in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us today. 
Remember to go to ncmi.net for more resources.